0: Welcome, everybody, to Acts Reform Fellowship. And we are going through the book of Mark, going uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're ending chapter 1 uh, today. So we come to the passage that talks about Jesus cleansing a leper. And that is in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. So if you have uh, your Bibles, turn there, or as uh, so I like to call it your fake Bibles in your phone, that works too. <laughs> and uh, stand up so we you can read this passage. Mark 1, verse 40 through 45 reads, And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. For a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate place. And people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, I was, we look at the passage of this leper being cleansed. We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, help me to give a message that would edify your people. Uh, for it, within my own uh, judgment, for within my own ability, I'm not able, Lord. So I pray for your favor. As it's in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Okay, so we come to this passage to end the book of Mark. And I would like to point out that we're going to see sort of a scene that is comprised of three things. First, in the opening scene, we see that here we have what we would call a good leper. He comes with the right attitude. He knows the power that Jesus has. And he gets cleansed. Jesus uh, has mercy on him, has pity on him, and he gets healed. And then the second part of this scene, now we see that this leper has gone bad because Jesus cleansed him and he told him specifically what to do. But he went rogue, he disobeyed, right? And then the closing scene, we see how Jesus actually traits places with the leper. It's maybe not as intuitive at first, but if we think about this, the leper is an outcast due to the laws that are in place at the time he cannot mix himself with society so he's an outcast. And Jesus is preaching and teaching so Jesus is within the people. And once the leper is cleansed now the leper can happily go in his way talking to the people integrate himself into society but because of that now Jesus cannot go and teach so now Jesus is in the desert place and the leper is now back with the society. So more on that later. So let us have a little bit of an introduction as to the issue of the idea of making ourselves clean, making ourselves well, bettering ourselves, maybe in, in a sense self-improvement. We see a lot of cleansing in our days In the general culture, how? A lot of times, physically, right? Oh, I'm going to go on this cleansing diet for three days, for a week, or even more. Eating all kinds of weird stuff, or liquids only, or stuff that I can't even pronounce, right? A lot of times, natural foods. And that'll cleanse you. Please do that, and you're going to be cleansed, right? Of course, it only lasts a little bit, because you check in with that person a week, two weeks, a month, and oh yeah, I tried it, it kind of worked, but didn't work. So trying to cleanse ourselves physically. Now another way is mentally, I need mental peace. I need to be uh, comfortable with who I am. I need to be able to cope with my situations. So to this we have a lot of self-help methods. The self-help book category is one of the highest selling in the US and actually worldwide. Very lucrative industry. Yet, it seems that from year to year, more and more people suffer from anxiety, from depression, and just for whatever reason, not being in peace. So the self-help methods, although they may work for a time, a lot of times, if not most of the time, they fail to really cleanse us mentally. Closely related to that, a third way would be spiritual well-being. I need to cleanse myself spiritually now that is a good goal to have but many times that sort of spiritual cleansing is disguised with a little bit of Jesus a little bit of the Bible but still sending a false message which can be summarized in a nutshell by saying I need to do something in order for God to love me. I need to do something in order to be as accepted by God. If I could only remove this filthiness from me, my baggage, my past, everything that I've done, then God would accept me. The common denominator of a lot of non-Christian religions or so-called Christian movements would be that you have to do something. You have to make yourself worthy. And often say that the reason for that is that these groups will have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is or a rejection of who Jesus is. Right? They don't understand it. Or they've been presented with who Jesus actually is. God in flesh. The only way to be saved. The only way to God the Father. But not, not so much are rejected. And out of that, that error begets a bigger error begets a bigger error. Until sometimes people unfortunately end up joining what are straight up cults where they get people assigned to them so that they could watch over you, they could lord over you to see what you're doing, what are you watching, what are you eating, where are you going with. And all of a sudden, instead of having salvation, instead of being freed, you're actually enslaved. Right? And it all started by... The person acknowledging that I need to be cleansed, there's something not right, but unfortunately end up being trapped and ensnared. And often, which is sad, is that in those types of groups, they will measure your spiritual maturity or your spiritual well-being in accordance to how well you're doing within that group. In all these cases, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual well-being, we try to improve ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, what we're really looking for is to have peace, peace with our Creator. Eventually, our bodies, no matter how cleansed they are, no matter how many marathons we run, we're going to rot. We're going to die. And what we're really looking for is for the human longing Of ultimately having a restored relationship with our Lord and Savior, with our Creator. That's essentially what every inner being, if we're really honest, is searching for, for that peace. Many people will tell you that in the biographies and in the history of people who have been the most successful, I mean, we've seen it even in our generations. Often will commit suicide, often will lose it all. And a common theme is, I thought that I wanted, when I reached the top, when I would get everything that I hoped for, that I would have peace, that I would be satisfied, but that is not so, right? And sometimes when we look at people who either are more successful or have more money or have The attributes that we desire to have, we say, Man, if I could only be like that person, everything would be set. If you only really knew what that person is suffering, you would say, Never mind. Why? Because all those types of cleansings are only superficial, they will not cleanse your soul. So we come to this story here. This uh, title, this message is Who Can Make You Clean? Who can make you clean? I would probably add a subtitle which would be The Case of of the Disobedient Leper because he disobeyed even though he was restored. And we see that this leper is very shrewd. He knows kind of exactly what he's going to do. And he made a great discovery. The fame that Jesus was in town and he was preaching and he was healing people, he was restoring people, we're told in the passage before here that the fame of Jesus started to spread. So this leper said, Hey, I have nothing to lose. Apparently Jesus has the the capacity and the power to heal me. So I'm going to go and I'm going to hit him up. I have nothing to lose. So this leper, let's have a context of what this means for somebody to have leprosy. In this biblical time of Jesus, when somebody had leprosy, and even in the Old Testament, because these laws would come from the Old Testament, this person would be designated to be outside of the camp, outside of society, and they had certain rules that they would have to abide by, such as certain type of dress, certain type of uh, ways, ways of tearing their clothes, and Leviticus tells us that when they were in proximity to others they would have to yell unclean, unclean as, a, as an alarm, as a warning for others not to come near them. So we could see that here this leper is an outcast, someone that has not had any human contact or interaction in at least a few years. So with that let's dig into the text. Verse 40 says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. So this is the case of the good leper. Here he has the correct approach. So leprosy is known to be a disease in our day called Hansen's disease that attacks the nerves. And what does that do? As it it, starts to attack your extremities, your fingers, your nose, your ears, your feet, your toes. Your nerves are affected in a way that you cannot feel. So a leper who has a nail stuck to his foot doesn't feel it. They will stick their fingers in boiling oil and they don't feel it. So what that starts to do is it deteriorates the flesh, the body. Same thing with the nose, with the ears. So this disease is serious, like heart condition, kidney failure, cancer, etc. But a lot of times, we may see someone, and we don't know that they really have cancer, unless it's in a very extreme, the final stages, or kidney failure, heart condition. We really can't see it. But for a leper, it's visible. You can see it. And that immediately brings disdain and brings uh, shame. And that is a clear sign that they need to stay away. They need to be quarantined. There's a doctor by the name of Paul Brand. And he was a Christian doctor who became basically the world expert in this disease. Hansen's disease in the last century, in the 20th century. And he said that when he treated leprosy patients maybe a lot of times in his third world countries, after treating them, he would send them back home and he would ensure that they owned at least one cat. Why? Because the mice and the rats and the insects would otherwise chew on the people's feet or hands and them not being able to feel it, they would just eat away the flesh, right? So he called this disease a painless hell. Because they still can't feel it. But nevertheless, they're being eaten away. Now, we see here that the leper came with a certain attitude. A parallel passage in Luke tells us that this man was covered in leprosy. So his disease was very visible. Certain laws and rules... Applied to leprosy, as we quickly described. So this man remaining in a secluded area. Had probably years to think about what a cleansing would look like. And now, here's the opportunity, because Jesus is in proximity. So what is the attitude of this leper? He is imploring. He is kneeling. The parallel passage tells the language that he actually laid flat on his face. And he implored Jesus. And here's where he's really shrewd. He kind of gets it. He knows that Jesus can heal him. But if Jesus is willing. So that is a double insight. He knows that Jesus can. But... He's not sure if Jesus wills to heal him. He knows that he needs God's favor in order for this miracle to happen. He's basically saying, I know you can do it, Lord. Will you do it? In our current world, we live in a world of consumerism. Pick up your phone. Pick up the app. Order. Whether it's pizza, whether it's Amazon. And sometimes within minutes, right? Your order's on the way. Thank you for shopping with us and order again. <laughs> so that consumerism mentality, whether we're aware of that or not, we transfer that over when we're talking to the living God and say, Lord, I need this and I need it fast. So please hurry. I'm already behind it. Right? And what this leper is telling us is like, no, God can do what you're asking, but he's not obligated to do it. How does that work? We don't know. Why does God choose to heal someone and not heal another person? We don't know. That's a mystery. That doesn't mean that we don't pray. That doesn't mean that we don't implore, that we don't go before God in our face and ask Him, like this leper is doing. And this brought to remembrance, have we ever been in such distress and need that we're imploring that we are on our face asking with such urgency, knowing that God can, but that He might not do it. Have we ever had that urgency? When was the last time we had that urgency? What we do know is that God is the God who heals. And we should plead with Him. We should ask Him. And we know that He is faithful. But that He's not obligated to act. This man is coming to Jesus, the Creator. God in flesh, who has authority not over not only over unclean spirits, as we saw, not only nature. He commands the sea and the waves and the wind, and they obey Him. He's coming to the man who preached the Sermon on the Mount and asking Him, Are you willing to heal me? So verse 41 says, Move with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. The response of Jesus. Now did he say, are you questioning my authority? Are you questioning my willingness? Or, no, I'm not willing, sorry, move on. No. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Now, mind you, did Jesus know that this leper was going to disobey later? Yes, Yes, Jesus is all-knowing. Did Jesus know that because of the disobedience of this guy, it would prevent him from going into the city and preaching due to the impracticality of all this flood of people coming? Jesus knew that. And yet, it says that he was moved with pity, with compassion, As a quick note, when we see the word pity, all throughout scripture, we see that the concept of compassion, of grace, of mercy, of God's patience, a lot of times is intertwined, sometimes even used interchangeably. So just as a note, when God shows grace, it means that He's showing unmerited favor. To someone. Like, I don't deserve it. But God has given me that goodness. Non deserving grace. He's given me favor that I don't deserve. When God gives mercy, when He has mercy on someone, the common theme in the Bible is that somebody is in utter distress. Like, this is it. I'm done. I'm in a really bad spot. And God, instead of bringing the punishment that that person deserves, He withhelds it. He shows mercy. And He gives you goodness. And then we also see God's patience. Throughout our lives, we continue in disobedience. We continue in sin. And it says that God has patience. He is slow to anger. He is slow to judgment. To those who continually keep sinning. However, that patience of God doesn't last forever. So, back to the story here. Could Jesus' words alone have healed the man? Could Jesus just command it, be healed, and would have been a done deal? We know of certain instances where Jesus actually did just that. In the passage that will follow next week, starting in chapter 2, we see that a paralytic man was brought to Jesus. And when he was brought to Jesus, his friends brought him because he was sick. Obviously, he was paralyzed, couldn't walk. And when they brought him before Jesus, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Which brings all kinds of ideas to the people they are watching. First of all, the people that brought him are thinking, like Jesus, like really? Like we brought him for an obvious reason. This guy can't walk. And we love him. He's our friend. And then you're telling him, what good is that going to do? Right? And then Jesus says that knowing their thoughts, knowing what they were murmuring, again, Jesus is all knowing. He said, so that you know that I have the authority on heaven and earth to forgive sins. I tell you, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. So, Jesus first forgave his sins and then in order to prove to the people that he had forgiven his sins he performed a miracle and the people were wondering if before he did before he told him to get up and take his bed he said who does this guy think he is only God can forgive sins well I would say anybody could say your sins are forgiven but that doesn't mean I forgave your sins, right? So when Jesus then makes that miracle, he is proving to them, oh, you say only God can forgive sins? There we go. A lot of people say God, uh, Jesus never claimed to be God. I would say you need to read your Bible. So, could Jesus have said to the leper, be cleansed, and it's a done deal? Yes. But because Jesus is a God who has compassion. A God who gets personally involved with you. With this man that probably had not felt the touch of another human being in years. Without any obligation. Without having to do it. Jesus goes out of his way. And the word used is that he took hold of him. He touched him. And he said, I am willing, be made well. That's the love that Jesus has for every one of us. He knows that he's going to disobey, right? And yet, the love of God displayed by Jesus personally touching him. Now, another word about this act of Jesus touching him. Scripture tells us in Leviticus 5 that touching an unclean person is forbidden. And if somebody touches a person who is unclean, such as the leper being touched, the person who touches them is now infected and needs to be quarantined again. Needs to be taken away. But here it works the other way. Instead of Jesus being infected, the man is cleansed. Amen. Right? So we see the power of Jesus over disease. We see the compassion of Jesus. And we see the personal interaction and the personal attention that Jesus gives to those that come to Him. The personal touch of God Almighty in this leper. Verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So this leper and many others that came to be healed. They didn't know. They knew there was no such thing as a rehab program. Or a treatment program. Nope. It's a one step program. If his ears were eaten away, his fingers starting to miss pieces, his feet all worn out, it was restored from one second to the next. So this is again the power of Jesus on display. The restoration to a new life is possible only by the power of Jesus. So, how did Jesus execute this power? Because remember, Jesus is God, but He was here as God in flesh. He still has a human nature, and He still submits to God the Father. We are told over and over that Jesus would go away and pray, and have communion with God the Father, and be filled with the Spirit, So it's not just like Jesus would go around willy-nilly, like, hey, check out these powers that I have. No. As a matter of fact, we're told in the passage before this passage that Jesus is planning to go and preach. And he said, because for that reason I came to this world to preach, to let people know the message of the gospel so that they could be saved. But as He does that, all these people come to Him to be healed because they know that He has the power to heal them. So Jesus went away, He prayed, and He had a constant communion with God the Father. If we are to be imitators of Christ, we are called to do that as well. Have time of reflection, have time of prayer, so that we too can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verses 43 and 44 say, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. So here is a command that is sort of counterintuitive. Like wait a minute, like wouldn't Jesus like his fame to spread more? Wouldn't Jesus want more people to come to him? And a lot of times the instructions that God gives us might not make sense to us. But we see here that the fact that the leper would disobey would later prevent Jesus from physically and humanly accomplishing his task of preaching in that region. In our human nature, with a reference to the disobedience, which we're going to see here in the next verse, we would have a tendency when we have a need to say, okay, I know that I should depend on God. I should go pray Maybe I should even fast. And then I should act very wisely according to what God is telling me to Scripture, through what my brothers and sisters are counseling me with. And trust God in that. Or sometimes there's a shortcut available that might not be God-honoring. And we're probably persuaded to look for the easy way out of a situation that will fill the need fast, right? For sure, it'll take care of it. But it would, it would include doing something that would maybe not be God-honoring. And a lot of times we fall for that. Why? Because we don't follow the example of Jesus, of meditating on God's Word, of praying, of really asking God what His will would be in a particular situation, or maybe our misunderstanding that God wants us to be healthy and rich and Mm -hmm. write the false gospel of the prosperity gospel, blab it and grab it? No. There's no shortcuts. So that is for us to know that when Jesus tells us to do something, we must obey. So it says Jesus sent him away. The word that is used there in the original language says that he actually took a hold of him and then told him and then kind of threw him out. All right, now go, get on, get out of here. He was, in other words, he was very firm in commanding him. Two things. Not to make this healing public. And two, to go show to the priest and make the appropriate offering at the temple in order to fulfill the command of Moses so what, what what is that all about so in the laws of the Old Testament in Leviticus there's very specific instructions for somebody that would have leprosy and then if somehow they were restored there was a process they would have to follow which they would have to go do an offering whether it be a, a goat or a, or a lamb and then it says if you don't have enough money, you know if you have less resources, then it would be something like a dove or a bird. But nevertheless, there was a process to be followed to go to the temple and show the priest, "Hey, look, I'm restored." And then the priest would issue a sort of public health record to say, "Actually, yes, you are restored." Wow, that's incredible. As a side note, knowing that there's no cure for leprosy, in His infinite wisdom, God left a provision there, so that when somebody is restored, they would be acknowledged by the priest, the the headship of the the religious movement there. Isn't that crazy? There's no cure for it. But God said, when people are restored, follow this process, right? And here's the case of of, uh, Jesus doing that. Now, in the commentators that I've read in this passage, the one that makes the most sense to me is that the words used by Jesus is to go show himself to the priest as a proof, like as in, in your face, look what's going on, look what's happening. And guess who did this for me? As a testimony of the living God being present and performing these miracles and showing themselves to the Religious leaders who rejected Jesus. And by the leper doing this, he would be further honoring God. Right? So I said a little bit earlier, sometimes it doesn't make sense like what we read and what Jesus asked us to do. But when we think about, okay, maybe it was because of that, then we say, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because for Jesus, it was more important that people know who He is than for the masses to come and rush Him and He healed, right? He still healed them. It says that when He was outside the house of Peter, it says that multitudes came and not one person left unhealed. That's the compassion that Jesus has. But nevertheless, He makes it very clear that He came to this world to preach For Him it is more important that you understand who He is and who you are and who you need as a Savior than for you to be healed. Because even if you're healed you could still get run over by a bus or God forbid get in an accident on your way home and still go to hell. But if you understand who He is The promises of God tells you that ultimately you will be restored. That means maybe not in this world. A lot of times we ask for healing. Lord, please heal me or please heal my my mom or my uncle or this or that. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should plead and we should ask for healing. But as hard as it is, we should always say, Lord, if you're willing, and if you're not willing Help me to walk through this difficult path of of my son, of my mother, of my wife being so sick that it's so difficult. And we know that God is able and that He is faithful, right? But if He doesn't choose to heal, glory to God. And may He show me how to honor Him through that and be a testimony to the world through Him not healing me. I repeat this, which I've said before. The only time that Paul the Apostle asked for healing, he said, Lord, I have this thorn in my flesh. Would you please remove it? What did Jesus say? He said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, if anyone would have enough brownie points to gain favor to be healed based on what they've done, it would be the Apostle Paul. And the only time Paul asked for healing, Jesus said, No, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace being not only the unmerited favor that we have from God, but also the strength that would help a person To go day by day through that difficult path. That's the grace that God will give us. So we come to verse 45. What did the leper do with the commands that Jesus told him? We have now the good leper gone bad. Verse 45 says, But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So here, the leper gone back. And in the third point we had spoken in the beginning. Jesus trades, trades places with the leper. The leper is now going on his merry way. Showing himself to the people. He's fully restored. No sign of leper ever being on him. And Jesus now has to stay away because the mobs would rush him. Now, it appears that the cleansed leopard disobeyed both the commandments Jesus gave him. Not only not to say something, but also to go and show himself to the priest so that they could go through the process and remember so that the priest would know, like, hey, how did this happen? So that they could acknowledge the miracle being done by Jesus. It seems as though he disobeyed both, both of those instructions. This speaks to the great responsibility that we, after we are cleansed by Jesus, we still have responsibility to obey. God does not force us to obey. And, we see that this kind of disobedience may hinder the way in which God can use us. Because this person could have been greatly used by Jesus, by His testimony, but He chose to disobey. By Him disobeying, it says that Jesus must now stay in desolate places, Because if he goes in there, again, the floodgates of this mobs, would just come to him, and it would not be practical for him to preach and for him to teach. And it's a missed opportunity for this leper to give glory to God in the way that Jesus wanted him to be honored. So that's another thing, right? Because in his mind, the leper could think, well... I'm just going to give glory to God and, and go and do my own thing. But Jesus has specific instructions that He gives. Sometimes ourselves we may think, well, like I'm going to give glory to God or uh, witness for Him in this particular way. But Scripture is clear that there's certain boundaries that you should not cross in living a Christian life. So we ought to be careful not to cross those those boundaries that are uh, delineated in Scripture. Not to compromise. To keep a character worthy of being called a child of God. So that we can give a good testimony to the world. So as we saw, Jesus said that He came to preach. So it was more important for Him to go out and preach than to provide temporary healing. Nevertheless, he did it. Now, on the other hand, I think there's also something to be said about the joy of being made clean. So let's identify a little bit here with the leper. If he was made clean from a horrible disease that had been literally been eating away at him, and he's made well, he's made clean, He has this joy that He cannot contain. Even in His disobedience, He has a joy that He cannot contain. So for us, if we have been made clean by Jesus, if we have been forgiven by Him, and we don't have that joy, if we don't want to go and tell people, if we do not want to be a witness for Jesus, or if we keep our mouths shut when we should speak, then maybe He didn't do a work in us. Because if He did, we would want to speak about it. So that's a reminder for us. If we indeed have been made clean, if we have been forgiven, if we have been cleansed, we should have a certain type of joy that we speak of what God has done in our lives. Let us remember that. So let's uh, let's land this plane here. Some closing thoughts. We have a leper, good leper, bad leper, Jesus trades places. Leprosy in scripture, if we kind of not gotten the idea yet, leprosy is a type of disease that is likened to sin. To us what we do. In other words, when the Bible uses a language to describe the effects of sin of our disobedience to God, it is in a language that describes a certain type of total infection affecting the entirety of men, affecting our whole being. There is not one spot that is left untouched. In our spirit, in our soul, in our body, because of sin. In the book of Isaiah, chapter one, verses five and six, starting about halfway through chapter to uh, verse five, it describes this. After this, people have been so disobedient. The people of God have been so disobedient, and he gives a description of what that sinfulness has the effect of. And I'll just read that that passage quickly here. Isaiah 1, 5 and 6, starting in the middle, verse 5, it says, The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed or bound up or softened with oil. Spiritually speaking, that's you, that's me we refer to this in Reformed Theology as total depravity. There's not one spot of our being that hasn't been touched by sin, by the fallenness of human nature. A lot of times we say that we open up something out of the box, is brand new. Wow! Like right now this thing is like precious, untouched, clean. Ourselves as human beings... Out of the box, we're actually already infected. Right? And we have the sometimes the false notion that we're actually pretty good. God says, nope. Out of the box we are born with original sin, we are infected. And there's a sort of total infection to that disease, to that spiritual disease, that the Bible likens to leprosy. That's us. And the bad news is that nothing can be done, humanly speaking, to heal it. It needs to be supernatural. We have this permanent condition of spiritual leprosy. So we need healing. Like, what kind of healing do we need? Well, we need our eyes to be healed of our blindness So that we could see our need, so that we could see Jesus for who He is, as King Jesus. We need healing of our deaf ears, so that they can open up and we can understand who Jesus is. And again, our need for Him. Because otherwise, in the eyes of God, when God looks at us, apart from the cleansing of Jesus, we are just filthy lepers. Now, I know this might sound offensive to our culture, even to some of us here today. But in order for there to be healing, you need to know that you're in a desperate, deathbed-like condition. Otherwise, well, I'm fine. I don't need any healing. This is where the gospel comes in. That we are born in a state of Sinfulness, we are disobedient. I mean, raising my kids, there's not a time that I tell my kids, all right, kids, today I'm going to teach you how to lie. Like today I'm going to teach you how to disobey mommy. No, that is our human nature, that is our depravity. So we grow up, we are disobedient. The Bible says that the natural man does not understand the things of God that we want nothing to do with God, that we are enemies of God, because we're spiritually discerned, we don't understand the things of God. We want nothing to do with God. And if we continue our life in that manner, the sins, the offenses we've committed against God will be counted against us. There is a day of reckoning coming. God is patient. But that patience comes to an end when an unrepentant person faces the living God. And at that point, either what Jesus did is what pays that penalty that is owed, or we pay with our own soul eternally apart from God. And the only way out, the only supernatural healing to this leprosy that we're charged with is to say, yes, Lord, I do need you. May you please be willing. By putting our faith in Jesus, He then trades places with us. He takes our punishment. He takes what we deserve. He dies on the cross. He's buried. He was raised on the third day. And by Him being raised from the dead, defeats death. And by us saying, yes, Lord, I trust in what you did. Then we're told that his righteousness is accounted to us. That's the great exchange. Why? It's like you're before the judge. The evidence is there. There's no doubt you did what you're being accused of. And you say, okay, it's probably not that bad. I probably have enough money to pay the fine or I'll go to jail for a little bit. And then the judge comes and says, okay, pay me. And then He tells you the amount which you then realize even if you got the richest people in the world together to give you all their money, you don't have enough money to pay. So then, by you taking what Jesus did, by putting your trust in Him, His moral bank account, so to speak, is attributed to you. And now you have enough to pay. Because something you did, No, because you came like this leper saying, Lord, have mercy on me. If you will, you can make me clean. And because we have this condition, we should be encouraged to know that we have what the Bible calls the great physician. Who is the great physician? Jesus, the one who didn't leave one sick person walk away sick. the one who preaches the sermon on the mount the one who commands the sea and the winds and they obey him and the one who tells us that he didn't come for those who are well but he says i came for those who are sick that's when i raised my hand and i said yes that's me i need him so our attitude needs to be like the one of the good leper at the beginning, where we know we have this need, and we know that no one else can help us, not our careers, not our jobs, not our cleansing diets, not our self-help books, none of that. And we should be encouraged that even though we are non-deserving and we are disobedient, That God is a gracious God. And even though we don't deserve it, He grants us healing. He grants us cleansing. There's not one time that somebody came to Jesus and Jesus rejected them. Not once. And as God grants a little bit more of understanding of why that is, is because if you go to God with a genuine heart, is because He drew you to Him. So here we are. You, me, everybody in this world. We're just like this disobedient leper. Like the man that we just read about. But Jesus is still Jesus. He hasn't changed. He's right now sitting on the throne. He is God Almighty. So let us reflect on what? that we are faced with this great need to be cleansed. Either to be cleansed of knowing Jesus as Savior, or as we go through our our path of sanctification day by day, to be clean and renewed every day. To go back to Jesus for cleansing. So, do you have this need? Or let me just tell you, you do have this need. But if you don't realize that you have that need, maybe the first thing to realize is, Lord, grant me to acknowledge and to understand that I have that need. And imploring Jesus to forgive you, as this leper did. With a a desperation that says, Lord, if you don't make me clean, I will die a leper. So, let us remember, when was the last time that we had that type of urgency to pray to God and that He needed to deliver as in a life or death situation because this is a spiritual life or spiritual death situation for Jesus to grant us that cleansing. And knowing that Jesus is able but not obligated. However, we know that He's the great physician. He never turned anybody away of those that came to Him because they are drawn to Him by the Father. And when you come to Him, He says that there's nothing or no one that will snatch you out of His hand. So let us close with the assurance that we serve a great God that will forgive us, that will make us be born again, So that our mind, so that our heart, so that our lifestyle, so that our desires will change. I'll be the first one to tell you that out of my own self, I would have never been able to change my desires in my mind and my heart. Never. I would have been the last person. And yet, because God is great, because He's good, He will do the transforming job in each one of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for allowing us to reflect upon the leper that You cleansed. Help us, Lord, to know that You are willing to trade places with us, spiritual lepers, at all costs, Lord. You've done that in the cross. you died a death yet that You did not deserve, a death that we deserve. You rose again from the dead, Lord, in victory over death. I pray that You would grant us the faith to say, Lord, make me clean, if You're willing. That we have that humility to come to You and to ask You for that. Because nothing else, Lord, nothing else will ever satisfy us until we have peace with You. May you do this great job in us, Lord, because you are able, because you're the great physician. And help us to reflect on this message, Lord, so that it would truly have a life-changing effect starting today. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.